Hey guys, this is the Real Estate Podcast, and this is your host, yours truly, Matt Teifke. Real quick before we dive in, if you don't mind, please make sure to subscribe to our channel. We want to get the message out that real estate can be for everybody. We want to share the entrepreneurship that we're learning along our journey. So before we dive into the episode, please make sure you share with your friends, and we want to continue to add value. So thank you guys, and let's dive right into the episode. Cannabis stocks. It's nothing to hide. Been an 11 month drawdown. It's been rough, but we haven't really lost assets. I mean, most investors have been stuck with it for the long term. They, they see the positive value. They think it's still coming, especially in US cannabis. So, um, you know, we still have well over a billion dollars in assets. You know, money goes in and out every single day. Welcome everybody to the Real Estate Podcast, where we typically talk real estate, but cannabis, investing, entrepreneurship. Uh, today we have Dan Ahrens, uh, super excited. He's the uh, portfolio fund manager, stock ticker MSO and YOLO, and uh, you guys are doing some really cool things in the space. Um, I've been investing in cannabis for a long time, and I really appreciate you coming on, man. We'd love to kind of get to know you a little bit, uh, dive into your background, and, and uh, talk some business, talk some cannabis. Oh, thanks for having me on and you know, thanks for covering the space. And uh, just in case anybody's looking up tickers quickly, it's uh, MSOS or MSOs with a S at the end. Um, fund we manage. And that's a that's essentially a fund that's owning all the different uh, cannabis tickers. Is that is that the accurate way to kind of describe it? Yeah, yeah. Let's just jump right into that. Um, here at Advisor Shares, we have two different funds and, and these are you know, everything that we do at Advisor Shares are exchange traded funds or ETFs um, listed on the NYSE or listed on NASDAQ. And uh, yeah, we have two, two funds um, covering the cannabis space that I manage. We even have another fund that's uh, managed by a sub-advisor, a little bit different strategy um, because we're doing a lot in the uh, cannabis space. Um, gosh, sideline here for you. I'm sorry we go off in different directions, but hey, we have another good. fund. We have a um, advisor shares psychedelics ETF uh, ticker symbol PSIL. That's short for psilocybin. If anybody didn't know that, back to cannabis um, because that's what we came here to talk about. And um, one of our funds happens to be the largest cannabis ETF in existence with over a billion dollars in it. That's uh, advisor shares pure U.S. cannabis ETF. Ticker symbol, as you said, is uh, MSOS or MSOs. And for people that cover the cannabis space, know that um, MSOs are multi-state operators. Um, has to do with federal law in the U.S. that we'll talk about more. But um, cannabis operators uh, in the United States have to have state-by-state -state approvals, state-by-state -state licenses. They can't transport across state lines. And they get the term um, multi-state operators. So that fund's, again, the biggest in existence, the biggest in the world. It's only been open for a little over a year. We, we opened that um, in the fall of uh, 2020. <laughs> I had to keep my ears straight. And it's strictly focused on the United States, as the name implies. Um, Advisor shares pure U.S. cannabis ETF because there's a big difference between the Canadian market and the U.S. market. 
Yeah. And um, this fund's focused only on the United States. We have the other fund, um, Advisor Shares Pure Cannabis ETF, ticker symbol YOLO, and that's more of a global strategy. It's been open a little bit longer. It has a track record back to 2019. And um, while it's not the biggest in the United States, since it was opened, uh, it happens to be the top performing cannabis ETF in existence. It's down. People have lost money in cannabis in the past year, especially. But um, its uh, long-term track record is, is number one. It was the top performing fund and up market in, in 2020. But it owns U.S. companies. It owns Canadian companies. It owns Israeli companies. It's a, a global type strategy to investing in cannabis. Sorry if that was a little long-winded there. Oh, but. man. I love it. It's a, it's a different world for me. I've, I've kind of like picked my uh, individual companies, but I definitely understand the value of being a little bit more diversified um, through MSOs, uh, you know, and having a little bit of all the companies. And from what I see and what I understand, uh, help educate me on this, you guys are constantly buying and selling and kind of reallocating your positions to different companies. Is that, is that accurate? Like almost yes. every day? Yeah, no, yeah, yes and no. I, I don't want to give the impression that we're overly active. You know, the fund is actively managed. So that means it's not an index. An index doesn't really have a manager or all they're doing is managing to usually have the largest company rated number one, the second largest company, you know, number two, et cetera. So we're an actively managed fund, and that means we have what we think is expertise watching these stocks all the time, picking which stocks we want to own, which stocks we want to overweight, which stocks we want to underweight, which stocks we might want to avoid completely. And especially in something very new, extremely volatile like cannabis, um, I think we've proven that active management is, is very important. And um, our track record so far is that we can do better than just blindly investing in an index. Um, you know, something else about new and volatile like cannabis, you know, we think a diversified portfolio is important um, rather than just picking a couple individual stocks. Uh, a couple individual stocks, you, you might do very well, I'm not knocking it. But, um, you know, we have a, a diversified portfolio that owns you know, maybe 30 or 40 different stocks all at once. And again, um, we think we have some expertise behind it, picking the best stocks. Yeah. And um, I'm curious, like, I, I totally get it. Um, we ever like find yourself falling in love with a certain company and like, man, we got to go heavy on this one, but we got to keep the diversified strategy as, as a core principle. Like, is that ever a you know, some kind of thought process you go through? Uh, somewhat. It's, uh, um, you know, we try to get a lot of information from a lot of third parties. You know, there, there's different ways to manage an actively managed fund. Some people are purely technical, purely quantitative. Um, we like to get a lot of information from a lot of sources. We like to talk to the companies and their CEOs themselves. And, um, to, to properly manage money, no, you can't do what you just said. You can't fall in love with anything. You have right. to be unbiased in your decisions. Right. But um, while being unbiased, yeah, we decided which companies um, we like the best. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're betting on that company's 
balance sheet. We're betting on that company's revenue growth. We're betting on that company's executive team. Right. Uh, well, a lot of those types of things are what we're making decisions on. And yeah, we might fall in love with the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, like uh, I know, at least from my perspective, I mean, are you okay? And do you talk about individual companies all the time? Is that something we can dive into or is that? Uh, you know, somewhat. I, I, what I'll do is I'll often refer back to, hey, look at our holdings. You know, look yeah. at what stocks our fund owns and which stocks our fund owns in its top holding and yeah, top yeah. five holdings and top 10 holdings. And that's a little bit of a voting machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I figured because I follow so... it. And I know these companies pretty well. Like I've been studying them for a long time. And and like I'm, I'm thinking like Cureleaf, like I know that's a big holding of y'all's. Um, and obviously right now when things are tough, which I'd like to dive into and get your perspective, I'm struggling Absolutely. on my end. I'm sure we all are. Um, but like they seem it's that's obvious. Like they're, they're going to be around. Like they got the, they got the Good cash time. coming in, they're building their business. So it's easy to go way heavier in Cureleaf than some of these other ones that yeah. are, are a little bit more speculative. You know, we all believe in the industry, but Cureleaf's they, they got the machine running and obviously green thumb and some of the other ones like that. Um, I took a huge bet myself on acreage and I know that's a small holding of you guys. Um, I, but, yeah, but it's been rough. Um, so I think that's more of a gamble. Um, but, um, yeah, I'd love to hear, you know, any thoughts on all that. Well, Hey, it's a little bit of a, um, a nod to active management that the, uh, the horses we're betting on are always changing. Um, acreage was a, was a hot story three years ago because, mm -hmm. um, um, Constellation Brands, big alcohol company, made a huge investment in canopy growth. That's also back when the Canadian side of the border legalized adult use and, um, stocks went crazy in Canada. Problem was they didn't have sales. <laughs> they didn't have strong balance sheets. In many cases, they, um, they traded on hype and excitement about, uh, um, cannabis suddenly being legal in, in Canada. Uh, they could also list on major exchanges in the United States. As long as they kept their cannabis business, you know, on the Canadian side of the border and obeyed laws on both sides of the border, you know, these companies like Canopy Growth were able to list on NASDAQ. Now, I'm dropping those names because then they made a big deal with Acreage, a company you, uh, you know, invested in, a lot of people invested in. Right. And it was an uh, it was some big money, and they had consolation money behind them. Sort of an option based on legality in the United States that everybody thinks is coming at some form and in some fashion, but um, no one knows when and how long it's going to take and what it's going to look like. And um, as things progressed, as things matured. Uh, that deal with acreage looked less and less attractive. Yeah. So um, yeah, big story a couple of years ago, and now it's been replaced with some other um, leaders in the space, like yeah. Cureleaf that you mentioned. Um, you know, I think a couple of things that's very important for listeners to understand is there is a very big difference between the Canadian market and the U.S. market. And sometimes people just blindly invest in cannabis um, because they hear, oh, something's happening in the United States. They're going to you know, approve it. Somebody's promoting a bill. And you know what? Canopy and Tilray 
Um, even some other names I'll drop, Aurora and Hexo, those stocks are listed on NASDAQ and they pop up and they have good trading volume. But, you know, I'll be blunt, a couple of those companies are just dumpster fires for their actual yeah. balance sheet and revenue growth or revenue, you know, lack of growth. Yeah. And, um, you know, people still need to pick stocks actually based on fundamentals. Sure. Which to me is most often balance sheet and revenue growth versus the stock price. Um, Canadian is, is, is Canadian. U.S. is U.S. Yep. So again, our largest fund is MSOs or MSOS. Mm -hmm. And we do invest in companies like Pureleaf. Now, you want to talk names a little bit and, and I'll drop yeah. some names here. It's, there's, a, again, a big difference between the Canadian market and the U.S. market. In mm -hmm. the Canadian market, Sometimes the very biggest companies mm -hmm. that might be the most heavily weighted by a stock index mm -hmm. might be the very worst. Yeah. Um, you really, really have to be selective on the Canadian side of the border. Um, in our fund YOLO, I have a, a very easy favorite Canadian. <clears throat> it's Village Farms International. Yep. They're um, a smaller name, not widely as known as Canopy and Tilray and a couple others. They have greenhouses all over North America. Yeah, they're in um, Texas. They're in Texas. Um, they <clears throat> have a lot of expertise in greenhouse growing, growing tomatoes and peppers and cucumbers. And they took that expertise and made one of the largest greenhouses in North America in British Columbia. And they sell one of the highest um, um, quality and the lowest price cannabis in Canada. Um, so they are the easily the, the most quality operator in Canada, in my opinion. Um, so opposite yeah, of the yeah. spectrum, you have companies like Aurora and I got nothing positive to say there. Yeah. So let's get to the United States in the United States. I'm going to name drop here. Some of the top rider operators are Cura Leaf, like you mentioned, um, True Leaf, um, Green Thumb Industries, uh, Verano, uh, Cresco Labs. Those are pretty much anybody's opinion, probably the biggest five and the top five. Um, they have different business models, so they've gone about things differently. But we have a very nice situation in the United States, a very nice luxury, if you want to call it that. I like all five of those operators. I like different things about them, but there's no dumpster fires in there. There's yeah. high quality management. There's good companies going about business in a pragmatic maybe even a frugal way, if you want to call it that, as compared to some of the Canadians that had excessive executive pay. They mm. had overexpansion. They overbuilt. They overhired. They overgrew cannabis. <laughs> ended up destroying it because they couldn't sell it. Um, they didn't have enough sales. Sales are much bigger in the United States. Yeah. So again, back to those big operators in the U.S., I like them. Yeah. We have a very nice situation where the, the biggest ones also happen to be among the very best. Um, I said they went about business a little bit differently. Cure Leaf. Um, Boris Jordan is the, uh, the chairman and CEO there. And that guy is a bulldog in a good way. He's a very wealthy man. And he wanted to be the biggest and the best and take no prisoners. And they have the largest footprint. They uh, operate in like 23 states right now. 
gotta be careful with those numbers because they're always changing, especially yeah. in the U.S., where uh, state approvals are happening regularly every year. So um, yeah, Cureleaf has the most dispensaries. They got the biggest footprint, um, and that's their business model. They've been expanded uh, with an acquisition that cost them almost nothing into Europe. Um, very different business model is Trueleaf. Happens to be the, the largest holding right now in our fund, MSOS. Um, some people said they shouldn't even be called a multi-state operator a couple of years ago. They should be called a single state operator because virtually all their business was in the state of Florida. Florida is a very healthy cannabis market. It's actually just a medical marijuana market right now. They haven't even approved adult use yet, but it is very, very strong um, for its existing you got to call them patients because you got to have a, a medical marijuana card um, and their growth of. And Trulieve has um, a 50% market share. People tr keep trying to cut into their market share, but they're not able to. Trulieve just dominates in Florida. And um, they have some of the very best margins for, for profitability. Um, they started expanding into other states using their very successful business model in Florida and replicating. And then they made an acquisition last year of Harvest Health. Um, Harvest Health already dominated the Arizona market, uh, very strong in the Pennsylvania market. So through acquisition, Trulieve is suddenly dominating in a, in a handful of other states that are um, very good states. So while they are a multi-state operator in, in multiple markets now, a very different growth pattern than you'd see with um, Cureleaf. Wanted to be the uh, you know the biggest footprint. Um, the other thing about the U.S. is these companies don't have what I would call excessive executive pay. Mm -hmm. um, they you know don't have federal legalization, so they can't list on major exchanges. They don't have access to a lot of institutional um, money because they don't have federal banking yet. So these companies have been frugal. I used the word pr pragmatic earlier in their growth. They've been smart in their growth. They couldn't just, um, you know, get a bunch of money in the bank and throw it at the wall and see if it sticks like we saw with some overgrowth in Canada. Mm -hmm. So, um, hope I'm not rambling too much. No, here no, I, I obviously like talking about this stuff, but I love it, man. Canada is different. No, I'm fascinated, and I'm sure you would include TerraSend as maybe the next right behind those on the names. Um, Absolutely. And, and like, I'm just so intrigued because I follow this. I've been following it for a long time. Uh, the acreage story, I come back to that a little bit. Uh, it kind of falls into both of these worlds because, at least from my perspective, like I was in acreage as a shareholder whenever they were taking out 60% interest loans and thinking the lights were going to turn off. And now, at least from where I'm sitting and, and understanding things, they've actually turned it around and it, the company's actually doing pretty well, but they're still tied to canopy, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, it seems like they got some good operators in there, you know, last quarter, I think they did like 44 million revenue. Um, but they're, they're, it's almost like they're completely held back by canopy at this point. And I'm just fascinated with how that's going to play out. I'm fascinated by canopy. Um, me always thinking that they were going to be the leader uh, with constellation behind them, but they still have some good things going for them with like things in the U S that they don't even include on their, at least I don't think they do on their balance sheet, like, like the Wanna brands and BioSteel and stores in Bickle and all these different ways to get in and then ownership of Terrasend and potentially acreage. And I'm like, 
Maybe one day they return, maybe not. Uh, but Acreage seems to be doing well. Uh, and I'm just so thrown off by, even regardless of that, like the market in general, um, everything's down like crazy. And, and yeah. they're all doing pretty well. Like cannabis is doing well. And it's going to keep doing well, but I don't know if it's people are making easy money elsewhere on the Bitcoin and this and that. No one's paying attention to this stuff. And we're just a couple of years early, but I do believe that it's all going to play out with time, but time is a hard thing to, to fight against sometimes, you know? It is, it is. And, and you touched on some very interesting points right there. So I, I'm not going to you know sugarcoat it. Cannabis has been in a 11 month drawdown now. Um, from its highs back in, in February of 21, uh, a lot of things are down 50% or more. And, um, you know, I, I had a book come out a year and a half ago and I, at the very first chapters, I was talking about extreme volatility yeah. and I looked at, you know, past history. No one should be invested in cannabis if they can't handle a 50% drawdown right. and if they can't handle a drawdown of a year or more. Right. Now, is it brutal? Yes. Is it unpleasant? Yes. <laughs> Did I um, see it coming? No. You know, you never see it coming. Uh, right. Everything's easy in hindsight. Sure. But, um, you know, after Biden got elected and then we had runoffs in the United States and the Democrats supposedly controlled the Senate, everybody um, thought, you know, cannabis legalization is <clears throat> right around the corner and um, the stocks got driven up too much too fast and then everybody got the realization that oh maybe they're not doing this legalization right away and i also have to remind people no one ever really said legalization <laughs> you're not gonna be able to walk into a walmart and you know buy uh, some canopy um, um, products from canada um, there's gonna be federal reform and no one's quite sure what it's going to look like, but we're expecting banking. We're expecting to be able to uplist on the major exchanges. We're expecting um, 280E tax reform for people that don't know that. Um, cannabis companies can't even deduct their business expenses. It's rather outrageous. Yep. Um, a lot of reforms are coming. Um, it's debatable when, because politicians are politicians and they play politicians' games with each other. Um, so we don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. Almost no one says it's not coming. It's um, a matter of, of when, not if. So yeah, you got to be able to handle long-term drawdowns. Um, there's some reasons behind it that make sense. Like these U.S. companies have to list on a secondary exchange in Canada. They trade over the counter in the U.S. The, the volume they trade at is is anemically low it's yeah. rather pathetic the volumes right. that they get so yeah they get shorted a lot um people on the social media like to use the word manipulation no they're not getting manipulated they're just getting bought and sold and, yeah. and people that like to short them they'll short them all they can they'll make every damn penny they can uh <laughs> shorting a stock and until it stops sure. but um you got to be able to handle those things changes are coming i still feel very strongly it's a big long-term opportunity for the future mm -hmm. but i still got to remind people to keep their canada in canada keep their us in us mm -hmm. and, and i want to come back to some points you know that uh you seem to know acreage very well and what canopy's doing in my international strategy or global strategy our fun yolo 
Um, we do own Canadian companies. I already mm-hmm. said I like Village Farms a lot, but I own Canopy and I own Tilray. I don't love them. <laughs> I hold my nose a little bit while we own them, but they're not going anywhere. Right. They're not going away. They are well-funded. They're fairly large. And very importantly, they are scratching and clawing to get in the United States. Mm-hmm. They are making acquisitions of beer <coughs> companies. Um, Canopy has, you know, a deal with Terrason, as you said, and a deal with uh, Acreage. Um, these companies have inroads to the United States. So when that federal reform does happen in the United States, those are the few companies that are going to have roads to the United States. Now, some of the other Canadian companies, mm-hmm. I don't know. Some people think we're going to have this sweeping legalization in the United States, and some of these other Canadian companies are suddenly going to swoop in and be able to do good business here. No, they don't have any licenses in the United States. Sure. They don't have any operations in the United States. Right. They don't have any inroads in the United States. Canopy does. And, um, and they're well-funded. They got money on the balance sheet from, from Constellation Brands. Tilray does. Those companies are at the top. Again, they're not going away. They have some inroads to the United States. But uh, I'll still come back and say the U.S. operators that we were name-dropping earlier. Yeah. Green Thumb, True Leaf, Cura Leaf, Cresco, Verano. Those companies are multi-billion dollar companies now with a lot of licenses, with a lot of dispensaries, with a lot of operations. Uh, they're starting to get branding, really turning into more of you know consumer packaged goods companies. That's where the real money is for the future. Right. Totally, man. Um, yeah. And what about some of these like goodness growth? Like it used to be uh, Vireo. Like they seem to be a, a well-run company, but like Yep. They, do you see that playing out similar to what, what maybe will happen in Canada when do they just get swallowed up by some of these bigger ones? Or is there just enough to go around where that could be its own successful business in the long run? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit hard to answer um, because this is still a very small industry. You know, look at other industries um, that are selling beer, selling products, look at the restaurant industry, all sorts of things. You know, cannabis isn't just a commodity for sure. It's a finished product and it's a, um, you know, it's a lot more like consumer packaged goods products. So those smaller companies, I still own a handful of them uh, in in our fund. They're not heavily weighted. Um, They're low volume stocks. They're low price stocks. Um, A number of them are going to be acquisition targets. That's a good thing. Sure. But I always remind investors, don't own a stock because you think it's an acquisition target. You're going to be waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's going to be painful. Right. Um, you can't pick which ones are going to be acquired either. Uh, it's, it, it's a fool's game. But um, being selective in the high quality ones, um, sure, they can be good as long as you have a very long-term focus and you're willing to wait. And um, you realize they're not very liquid. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly own a, a handful of, uh, you know, they don't like to be called tier two or tier three companies, but they, in cannabis, they have all this tiering systems. I don't know who, who the hell made up the tiering systems, but um, 
yeah, those tier three size companies. Uh, we like a handful of them, but they're a little yeah. hard to buy, a little liquid. And um, the good ones are going to be acquired someday. Yeah. How do you view uh, Riv Capital? I know they got that big deal with Scott's Miracle Grow. That's super. Yeah. I'm fascinated by them. I like, I, I used to like, uh, yeah. I mean, they're sitting on all this cash, right? And they're obviously, they're going to be around, obviously, with, with Scott's Miracle Grow. But like, well, they got all this cash and like, what are they, what are they going to do with it? It seems like. Well, here's, a, here's a funny thing for you. So, yeah, um, you, you seem to know an awful lot about the, the canopy and uh, Riv and yeah. uh, Terrasen and Acreage. Uh, no, I respect that. I, so, I know about uh, the for... other ones too. I was just, these are the ones I bet on. And like, I mean, I was, yeah. I was investing in, in canopy before Constellation put, you know, put the 4 billion. It was like right after they put the 248 million. I'm like, all sure. right, great. I just want to, I'm a real estate guy. And I was like, this is a company that's going to be around. Cause I was investing. I don't know if you remember, but like when there was like TRTC and PHOT and all these ones that were like penny stocks that were like, it was a horrible experience for me. I was like, finally, there's a real one canopy. And then all this yeah. stuff happened. Anyways, yeah. go, go on. So, um, you know, Riv used to be called Canopy Rivers and uh, reorganized. Now it's Riv Capital, and um, they they actually delisted from the Toronto Exchange because they wanted to focus on U.S. investments and have inroads to the United States. Um, our good friend Todd Harrison of CB1 Capital often says uh, the quote, "Bet on the jockey, not the horse." Well, the jockey at Riv Capital now is Jason Wild, and Jason Wild is also the jockey at Terrasend. Very respected, very smart guy. I like him, and um, he is a, a a good jockey to bet on uh, at the head of Riv Capital and at the head of Terrasend. Um, we like Riv Capital a lot. It's um, for now a little bit under the radar. Not too many people are aware. It's not a heavily traded stock. Um, but yeah, they're sitting on cash. And when you look at the deal they made with uh, Scott's Miracle Grow, and you look at their balance sheet, they're barely trading above value. I mean, I that is a great, great value stock right now. We own quite a bit of it in our fund, uh, YOLO. And um, now they're, they're waiting on the sidelines, uh, ready to pounce uh, into the United States uh, when the timing is, is right. And uh, Jason Wild's a very connected guy. So, you know, they're going to make some uh, acquisitions um, with all that Riv Capital money when the time's right. And, uh, I expect good things out of it. That's great. That's cool to hear. I love it, man. I love, uh, I'm in Texas, so I don't get to talk this stuff with people that often. I, just, <laughs> yeah. I read all the reports. I read the filings. Uh, I've had people come on our podcast and stuff. Um, but it's such an interesting space. And I'm just so ready for like, something to turn around i just want like some big news to come out and like think not necessarily legislation but just something to change the sentiment like i i'm not too like you said you got to be in it for the long run and i understand that like i'm i'm really in this for like five ten years at least um yep. but man it's just been just negative for a year yeah, well, we are we are waiting on those uh, announcements. Uh, you know, I hate that everything's been so tied to politics and, and politicians uh, yeah. recently. Um, but I've reminded people, I'm looking forward to the next round of earnings coming out. When yep. I, and I mean, on the U.S. side of the border. 
And I don't care if somebody says this state or that state's going to be a little soft or, uh, you know, this company or that company, because most of the U.S. earnings quarter after quarter have been fantastic. <laughs> and when you factor in that they keep adding new markets, they're not even selling a single legal joint in New York state yet. Right. <laughs> Adult use has been approved there. Right. But right now it's only a black market and, you know, a limited medical market, but, um, you know, black market sales in New York are huge. They're huge in New Jersey. Those are going to add on to U.S. sales. So I'm looking forward to those earnings coming out just to remind everybody again, that quarter over quarter growth in cannabis is fantastic. And I'll say this, even without something had happening at the federal level reform wise, um, I have never seen a disconnect so big between stock price and company fundamentals. Yeah. I'm talking about company fundamentals in the entire industry. Yeah. The revenue growth quarter over quarter versus the stock price, it is outrageously disconnected at this point. And it can only last so long. Yeah. Uh, these things are going to pop. I'm with you, man. Blows my mind. Like, like what you said about Riv Capital, it's like, at least maybe not too long ago, I was like, they have more cash than their market cap. And that's yeah. excluding everything else that they own. Yeah. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense, but you know, uh, we'll figure it out. It'll take some time. Yep. It'll figure itself out. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, anything else that you think uh, you'd like to touch on or anything valuable that uh, you might want to throw out there? Yeah. That's something we kind of touched on in, in general, the, these ETFs. The thing about an exchange traded fund is it is not only liquid and listed on the exchanges, but it's transparent. So anybody listening, you can go to our website and you can look up our holdings every single day. If you want to rip them off and do your own trading, knock yourself out. <laughs> oh, that's the beauty of an ETF is daily transparency. We're required to list the full holdings of the fund every single day. And we got nothing to hide. So feel free to look at our holdings and see which stocks we like in the U.S., see which stocks we like in Canada. It's all right there for the taking. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, too. You guys had like earlier today, I was looking, Acreage had like like 8,000 shares traded. And like you guys, you guys are sitting on a lot of cash. And obviously, you're not uh, trying to manipulate, like you said, but you have some power on buying some of these shares. You could, you could buy up all the Acreage shares for months. And really do something to these prices, but I know you guys are in it for the long run. And seem it it seemed like for a while, maybe maybe not anymore. Were you guys sitting on a, a decent amount of cash, kind of just waiting to deploy some of that to some of these different yeah, stocks? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I can never own so much of a stock that we, we control it uh, or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. So, well, it's uh, just like like um, I have so many shares yeah. of, of acreage, like I can't even sell it if I want to. Like I like it's like you. It's just I'm just kind of getting to the volume that's going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, something is going to happen at the federal level. Everybody knows it's coming um, and that's going to change the volume and it's going to change the liquidity of, of those stocks. But uh, the other thing is, you know, we're not a tactically managed fund. You know, I'm not trying to outsmart the market and one week I'm invested, the next week I'm going to cash and going back and forth. But um, yeah, through November and December, we had, you know, we get inflows of money from investors and um, 
I chose to hold a much larger percentage in cash than being fully invested. <laughs> Sometimes I had people in the Twitter sphere out there yelling at us, <laughs> why won't they deploy that money? Why won't they? Well, <clears throat> no, it's turned out we're pretty damn smart because uh, stocks have gone down and um, we're buying them now at, uh, at lower prices. Yeah. So That's great. our fund has also had very, what I would call sticky assets. Um, you know, again, cannabis stocks, it's nothing to hide. Been an 11 month drawdown. It's been rough, but we haven't really lost assets. It means most investors have been stuck with it for the long term. They, they see the positive value. They think it's still coming, especially in U.S. cannabis. So, um, our, you know, we still have well over a billion dollars in assets. You know, money goes in and out every single day, but we've yeah. been able to keep most of those assets. And um, we try to be smart with it. <laughs> Am I going to cram $100 million in the market all at once and push right. stock prices up? Right. Well, that would work for a day or two. But in general, um, there's this thing called buy low and sell high. So yeah. when, when we're trading, we're trying to trade carefully and yeah. wisely and get good prices on, on what we're buying within the fund. And uh, manage it tax efficiently as well. Where do we take all those things into effect? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is great, Dan. I really enjoyed talking about this. Um, what are ways that people may be able to get a hold of you guys or invest in in your fund? Like, what what ways can people add value for y'all? Yeah, uh, you allow me to pitch here, huh? That's nice. Come on. So, hey, uh, it's the beauty of an exchange traded fund. You know, um, you say that you have the ability to buy these stocks. It depends on what brokerage firm you're with. There's people out there in the United States, whether they're individuals or institutions that can't invest in Cure Relief, that can't buy Green Thumb Industries stock. But um, our fund, MSOS and YOLO, they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange. You can buy them virtually any brokerage firm. You can buy them on Robinhood. Um, you can't buy those stocks on Robinhood. That's just an example. There's a couple of firms out there, um, some of the biggest wirehouses where you can't even buy our fund because you can only buy from their approved list of, of funds. But uh, yeah, our fund is a, very available to investors. You can trade options on our fund. Uh, that's kind of nice because you can't trade options on these OTC um, US cannabis stocks. So uh, yeah, go to advisorshares.com. Advisorshares.com is a real easy website. Uh, there's a page there for every one of our funds. And as I said, you know, there's a page for MSOS, a little bit of the background, a little bit of the story, but every single holding listed and updated every single business day. So it's there for the, for the looking. And our international strategy, YOLO, um, it's there for the, for the viewing as well. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, we're excited to see what happens in the future. And hopefully things get turned around. And uh, thank you for sharing everything you did today. Nah, thanks for having me on and for allowing me to talk my funds a little bit. Uh, let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. We'd love to. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's the Real Estate Podcast. Dan Aarons, we're out. <laughs> <laughs>